Alright, good morning. Let's uh, start with a couple announcements. The, the year in review, if you're interested in it, this is a hard copy. There's some more at the back. Uh, it's basically stories of what Otter Creek did last year. It's also available online if you don't want to print one. Uh, feel free to take one since we're already one-twelfth of the way through uh, the next year. Uh, today there's a wedding shower for uh, Ashton Edgeworth and Austin Michael. Uh, or I'm sorry, Mitchell. Uh, one to three in the uh, gathering room. And then uh, prayer concerns, Pat Ward had her surgery uh, and is recovering well. Uh, oh, so she's recovering really well, she's already here. <laughs> Uh, Melly Angus's grandfather, Donnie Rawls, is in hospice uh, at St. Thomas Midtown and is going to transition sometime in the very near future, according to this. All right, any other announcements, things we need to make? Randall, anybody? Anybody? We'll throw it open to everybody. Uh, class email list is here. You have not got the uh, slides yet because they haven't sent me this back so I can send it to you. If you want to put your email on here, we'll send you the slides, etc. cetera. Uh, there was no recording from last week because for some reason the, uh, this thing didn't work. So uh, technical problems. For a little extra on the side, I'll come and redo it all for you at your house. <laughs> all right. Uh, obviously, we're talking about John. If, if, you're not, if you don't think you're in the class of John, look down the hallway. This is John. We're talking about uh, John is living in Ephesus. So if you think about this, what we did earlier this year in Colossians was right here, just outside of Ephesus. So a lot of what we're talking about this year is all directed to the same people. The Christians, primarily Jewish, in this area. And so if you think about the New Testament, uh, this is Galatians, this is Ephesians, this is John, this is uh, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, this is Revelation, this is 1st and 2nd Timothy. Maybe 1st and 2nd Peter. All are basically directed at the church that's in this area. And then if you want to go across the water here, Corinthians, Corinth is right here, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. So a large chunk of the New Testament is aimed at the Christians in this area. I thought I'd just throw a little geography in there. And this is all last week. All right, as also a reminder, four Gospels in your Bible. Uh, Matthew is written to Jews to convince them that Jesus is the Messiah. It's an early gospel. Mark is a very short book uh, written to basically all Christians. It really doesn't have a target like the rest of them do. Uh, Church of Christ people like Mark because it's like a pamphlet. <laughs> you know, remember how you grew up and they gave you those pamphlets you're supposed to hand out to people? That's the book of Mark. Uh, track. It's a track. Sorry, it's a track. It's a track. It's a track. It's a track. It is literally, it's the gospel version of a track. 
It's very, very, very short, very, very quick. It's always, it, there's not a lot of theology in there. There's a lot of action. Uh, so it'd, it'd make the better, the best movie would be made out of Mark. Uh, Luke, uh, when you think Luke, think Luke Acts. He wrote both those together. They're meant to be read together. It's written to the Greek Romans to convince them that Jesus is the Christ. Uh, and so it's written from a very different viewpoint. Then we get to John. John is written probably 30 years after the rest of them. It's written to Jewish Christians to remind them of why they believe. We're now into the third generation of Christians. We think this is somewhere around 80 to early 90 AD. So you're talking about third generation of Christians. Uh, and so John is writing this to remind them. It's a very, very different book than the other three Gospels. Now Luke was the only maybe not Jewish writer of the New Testament. Right. Uh, he was Luke was probably not Jewish at all. Uh, he was obviously he's a physician. Uh, he was probably somebody's slave that was educated, that was sent with Paul, and went with him to the Paul. There's a uh, one thought is that Luke and Acts are the is the uh, legal defense that is being written for Paul's trial before Caesar, because when you see where it ends, Paul's in jail in Rome. And the other thing, if you look in Luke and Acts, the Romans are never, ever, ever the bad guy. The Jews are. Well, not the Jews. Not the Jews in particular. The Sadducees are and the Pharisees are. The Romans are not. In fact, in Luke, the first person that says Jesus is the Christ is the centurion. And so when you, you go through that whole thing, uh, it's, it's very much written that the church is not a threat to the Roman Empire. Jesus is Messiah, he's Lord, just like Caesar is, but his kingdom is not here. He's not overthrowing the Roman Empire. But Luke wrote more of the New Testament than he knew the first time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, when you put those two together, that's the biggest part of the New Testament. And Luke is easier to understand. It's very straightforward. You know, Paul wrote a lot, and as Peter says about Paul, is that sometimes he's really hard to understand. Uh, and I, there's a good description I read this week. Matthew is like being in the synagogue. There's a lot of Jewish discussions going on. It's very Jewish. Uh, that's the tract. That's the Church of Christ tract. Uh, Luke, Luke is the history lesson. Uh, John is like going to retreat on the top of a mountain. It's a 30,000 foot viewpoint of, you know, let's look back at where you've come from. Let's look forward to where you're going at a very high level. That's John. Uh, sorry about a little bit about Jewish life. Uh, this is written to Jewish Christians. The Jews were very, very, very different people. As Randall said last week, Church of Christ, we would get really long, really well with these guys. Lots of rules. Very, uh, they, they call themselves a peculiar people, just like we do. Uh, and so... Uh, the worship, they're very different than Romans in worship. Uh, they had the synagogue and the temple. Of course, after this, we're after AD 70, the temple doesn't exist anymore. So the Jews are very disoriented. When your entire life is written, is, revolves around one thing, which is temple worship, that temple's destroyed. And so uh, people are, are very uh, disoriented. They had a very distinctive dress. 
you could walk into any village in Rome and you could find the Jews. Uh, they wore particular robes. Single women always wore veils. Not normal in, the, uh, in Rome or in Greece. All the men and women, when they're out, wore head coverings. Uh, sometimes they wore the phylacteries, depending on which version of Judaism they were. Uh, food, they ate kosher. Now, to make sure that you were eating kosher, you only shopped at the people from your synagogue. Because you want to make sure they were doing kosher right. Because it's about rules. So if you ate incorrectly, if you ate food you thought was kosher but wasn't, uh, that, that would count as a sin. And so as a result, you tended to shop only with people that you went synagogue with. Or if there's a big enough city and there were two synagogues, you could shop with either synagogue. Depending, again, it's, it's like, you know, the old uh, joke about the First and Second Baptist Church. Right? <laughs> you know, synagogues were just like that. Uh, they, would, they would have arguments and they would, you know, they would split. They would split, yeah. <laughs> And, and they go to a different part of town. So it depends how big the town is. It depends how many synagogues were in it. A hundred percent of your education was at the synagogue. So there were no public schools in Greece or Rome. You pay, you're, if you're rich enough, you, you brought a teacher in to educate your kids. The Jews as a people were highly educated for the Roman Empire. Well, let me state that. The men were highly educated. The women could do basic math because you had to run the business. Uh, and if you're, if you're wealthy enough, the women may be educated to read Hebrew as well or Greek. The men definitely were. You went to synagogue school up to age 13. Uh, when you hit 13, you, you went out to work. Unless you're really smart like Paul, then you start moving into different levels of education. Marriage. All marriages were arranged. You know, this is not, you know, oh, I love you. Let's, let's go run off and get married. This is your parents and their parents would get together and they would set it up when you were three. And so at some point you would get married. You always married inside the synagogue. And maybe from the next town, depends how big your synagogue was, you may go to the next town. Because remember, most people didn't, didn't travel a lot. It's not like today where you can hop in a car and drive 100 miles. You had to walk. And so... All your marriages come out of synagogues. Here's what you don't think about taxes. The Jews had a special dispensation from the Romans because they were such pains in the rear end. Uh, you had to pay your taxes. You had to sacrifice at the temple of the Caesar. That's how you paid your taxes. It was both a religious and a taxation. The Jews were such a pain and also, you know, they're almost 10% of the Roman Empire are Jewish. If you think there's 60 million people in the empire, about 4 to 5 million were Jewish. So uh, the Jews negotiated an exemption. You still had to pay your taxes. The Romans, it's all about you're going to pay your taxes. But uh, when you sacrificed in the temple of the Caesar, you were praying to Caesar. The Jews says we cannot do that. And so they, they created an exemption for them. You were allowed to pray for Caesar, not to him, if you were a Jew, and you went to synagogue. But you, had to, you also had to pay your taxes through the synagogue. Yes? 
when you say synagogue, in most places around the empire, was that a, did they build freestanding buildings or have buildings that? Uh, yes. Where people came to it, or a synagogue referred to the, the people? No, uh, a synagogue was a particular place, and it was used week round. Like I said, because on what we would consider Friday night was the Sabbath, and so they would have worship there. They would have school there during the rest of the week, and it was also kind of the social center for the Jews. Uh, so they they were so synagogue, and that's uh, you had to pay your taxes. All right, so eighty seventy comes along. The Christians, by and large, leave, the Christian Jews leave Judea because they're not fighting against the Romans because our kingdom is not here. So what happens is, eighty seventy post eighty seventy across the Roman Empire, obviously the Jews who are in Judea are, are no more. The Romans do not get around when you when you rebel. They either killed you or sold you into slavery. So. What happened around the rest of the empire is the Christian Jews, prior to this, they were in the synagogue. Post-80-70, they get kicked out of the synagogue. So now, think of, if you're a person, where are you going to shop? The rest of the, they're not going to deal with you. You've been kicked out of the synagogue. How are your kids going to get an education? Who are your kids going to marry? And here's the tough one for the Christians. How do you pay taxes? Do, do you... The only one place to play it is the, is the uh, Temple of the Caesar. That's where they collect the taxes. How do you get out of doing that? We have letters, uh, Leland's class, uh, from Plenty of the Younger, talked about how the he, he complains that his tax revenue, Caesar dings him. He says, your tax revenue is going down. If you're a governor, you owed X amount of taxes to the Caesar. He didn't care how you got it, but you owed X amount. Plenty the Younger is banished way out of Rome, and his tax revenue is going down. And his reason for the tax revenue going down is there are so many Christians in my area they won't sacrifice at the temple. So that the, the Christians were in a hard place. They, couldn't, they didn't get the exemption anymore. They're not Jews. They're kicked out of the synagogue. But they also chose not to go to the, to the Caesar's temple. And so you, you see this, that the church is in this upheaval during this period of time. Everything that they stood for, remember, they're still practicing Jews. They just believed in Christ. Everything is gone. The temple is gone. It's burned to the ground. Uh, they're kicked out of the synagogues. They don't see a future for, they don't see a future for their children. Because how, how, how are you going to marry them? How are you going to educate them? And so it was a very, the church is very upset during this period. A lot of social unrest going on. And, here, and that's part of what John's doing is giving this big overview to say, understand who, who you're following. All right, just before we start chapter one, the difference between is and was. Uh, in a lot of your translations, the word was is used a bunch, which we're going to see in about two seconds. I mean, I've got the NIV in the next chapter, next slide. Two words. In Greek, they're very different. This is was or was means 
has always been. It's looking backwards. This was means to become. So when we read this first little part of John, it looks, the way John wrote it, the way we read it, are a little different. All right, chapter one. We, we call it, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning, flashing back to Genesis. Same exact start, in the beginning. This, the red, in this, the red was is the word for has always been. So in the beginning was the word. The word always was. The word always was with God. And the word always was God. Huge concept right here off, out of the start. And he was with God in the beginning. Uh, there are four stanzas of this. One, two, three, four. Uh, and so John's throwing down the trump card right at the beginning. Boom. Jesus was at the beginning. Jesus was God. Or Jesus is God. It has always been God. And through him all things were made, meaning Jesus made them at some point moving forward. And with him nothing was made that has been made. He's the creator of everything. If you think Greek, you know, if you go back to middle school, high school, think Greek or Roman gods, they all had their little areas, right? Poseidon, the, the god of the ocean. He couldn't get on land, right? Or for Little Mermaid fans also, right? King Poseidon can't leave the ocean. Uh, so it's the fact that their gods were very limited. Jesus isn't. Jesus is God. God is everywhere. Uh, and he was, in him was life. Meaning life has always existed in him. And that life was the light of all mankind has always been the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and darkness shall not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist, not John the author. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he's only the witness to the light. Uh, true light gives light to everyone the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Jesus has always been coming into the world. He was in the world. He's always been in the world. And through the world was made. He made it. At some point, moves it forward. The world did not recognize him. He came to which was his own. You have always been his. But his own did not receive him. Talking about the Jews. Yet to all who did receive him, all to those who believed his name, he gave the right to become children of God. From that point forward, once you believed, children of God. Uh, in the first century, adoption, you adopted for one reason, one reason only, to be the heir. We, we adopt people into our families because we think the kids need the help. They had slavery. You didn't need to adopt you adopted for one reason, to make them your heir. 
So when he says you became children of God, what he is saying to them is you are heirs of God. Much more powerful than what we look at and we say, oh, we're children of God, we're adopting the family. He says, no, no, you're the heir. You're the heir of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. The word became, at some point, it was not flesh, Jesus was not flesh, he became flesh. And made his dwelling, tabernacle, this is the word, uh, same word, if you go back to Hebrew, in tabernacle. Remember, what, what's destroyed? The temple. So, he is now flashing back to the pre-temple era. Said, what you don't need the temple. Jesus is living with you. Just like in the first in the why the in the wanderings, the tabernacle was where God was for the Jews. So that's what you're seeing here. The tabernacle, Jesus is dwelling with you as the tabernacle. And we have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He's going to talk a lot about this. Interestingly, this is the only place in the book that he uses the word grace. The other books are full of the word grace. John is not. Uh, and John testified for him, cried out, saying, This is the one who I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in the place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. Contrasting law and grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God, is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So basically you haven't seen God, but you've seen Jesus. Uh, these are Jews. Jumping back to Gen uh, Exodus 33, 34, and this. The revelation of God's word is the Torah. Jesus, Jesus now, or John is now moving this forward and saying, the revelation of God's word is Jesus in the flesh. You don't need the Torah because you now have Jesus. And God dwelt among his people in the tabernacle. Moses pleaded that God would continue to dwell with them. The word made his dwelling literally tabernacled with the people. Moses beheld God's glory. The only one that, you know, if you remember the story, Ten Commandments, I'll, I'll put my hand over you, you can see the back of my head. The disciples beheld Jesus' glory because Jesus was God. If you saw Jesus, you've seen God. The glory was full of truth and grace. The glory was full of grace and truth. The law was given through Moses. Again, the law is given through Moses. No one can see all of God's glory. You can't see all of God's glory, but it's fully revealed in Jesus. And there are still people around when he wrote this book who have seen Jesus. And if you've seen Jesus, you have seen God. That's the intro to John. And now John skips the whole birth story, the whole, I mean, he just jumps straight into Jesus going. Because at this point, he figures the people don't need that. They've got three stories that tell him exactly those. So he jumps straight into. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him. Every time you see this word in John, 
Jewish leaders, it means Sadducees. It means the guys who run the temple. Well, the guys who used to run the temple. They're not around anymore. Post-70, there are no more Sadducees because they believed in the temple. So when the, when the rebellion started, they all ran to the temple. The Romans burnt the temple down. They did not take prisoners. They just burnt the temple down. There are no more Sadducees when this writes. Uh, there were, during this period of time, before when Jesus was around, there were multiple messiahs. Uh, we know that there were at least five from AD 0 to 10 AD in Judea alone. Because the Romans wrote letters about how they, they had to go put them down. Uh, they had to bring troops out of uh, Syria to come down and put down the rebellion for the Messiah. So the Messiah was a very common, you know, I'm the Messiah. Uh, I, I laughed. I was talking to Jane. This reminds me of uh, Life of Brian. For, remember that? Uh, there's a great scene where Brian, they go, are you the Messiah? He goes, no, I'm not the Messiah. And they go, only the Messiah would deny he's the Messiah. <laughs> so then he turns around and says, well, I am the Messiah, see? And they go, see, you are. That's what these guys are doing. Are, are, are you the, the Messiah? And he says, I'm not the Messiah. And then they said, okay, uh, in Malachi, Elijah is going to precede the Messiah. He goes, are you Elijah? Are you Elijah coming back? No. Are you the prophet? Deuteronomy. Moses says a prophet will precede the Messiah. He goes, no. He says, what, what, well, who are you? Give us an answer so we can, we can take him back to the temple. And so he replies with the words of Isaiah and says, I am the one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Uh, so he basically quotes Isaiah back to them who should have known Isaiah and that's, and so that's the Sadducees, back to the temple. Now the other group shows up, the Pharisees. The Pharisees and the Sadducees did, hated each other, didn't talk to each other. Pharisees show up, and they question him. Why do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, the Elijah, or the prophet? They, they obviously heard the answer and sent some more people out and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. And this is where we miss this a little bit. I didn't realize this to researching this the Jews washed a lot the mikvah but you were not washed baptized by someone in the mikvah you put yourself in it there's one and only one thing that the Jews baptized for conversion from being a Gentile to being a Jew so the Pharisees are really really worried here because what John is saying with his actions is all you people that I'm baptizing, you weren't really Jews. I'm going to baptize you into the true Judaism. And so the Pharisees, who are all about rules, going like, hey, who, who gave you the right to, to say that what we're teaching them is wrong? And then John says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Straps of sandals. When you went to a house, you took your sandals off, the person washed your feet. If you're wealthy enough, you had, you had a servant or slave do that. So what John is saying is, Jesus is coming, the Messiah, I am down here. 
way down here. And this all happened at Bethany on the other side of Jordan where John was baptizing. Uh, a little map. John is somewhere probably in here. Jerusalem here, uh, Judea, Samaria, Galilee. The book of John bounces around. He goes up and down a lot. He primarily talks about John's, Jesus's ministry in Judea. And so John, uh, here's 30 miles for those you want. So we're about yeah, 60 miles from Nazareth, Capernaum, Bethsaida, uh, where we're going to talk about in this story. So John's down here, he's baptizing. The next day, Jesus was coming toward her and said, look, John said, well, John's, this is John talking, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, this is the one who I meant when I said, a man comes after me who has surpassed me because he was before me. So John's basically saying, Remember, John is very popular this time. People are flocking to John. There's a renewal going on. Uh, I myself do not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water is that he might be revealed to Israel. So John realizes his job is getting Israel ready for the revival of the Messiah. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, so God tells him directly, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testified that this is God's chosen one, Messiah. So to the Jews, this is, this is a big deal. Jesus is the Messiah, right there. And then, and then John's temp. We see this story in the other Gospels. This is John the Baptist telling whoever wrote this book, probably John the Apostle, the story of the baptism. Because you remember right, Jesus doesn't call the Apostles to after he's baptized. So John the Apostle would not have been there. John the Baptist would have been, because obviously he baptized Jesus. So that's wrapping the story up. So the start of Jesus' ministry. He comes down, he's baptized. And the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples, and when he saw Jesus passing by, remember, no, no Facebook, no internet. Uh, they, they don't know what, John, Jesus and John the Baptist are cousins, but they grew up, you know, days travel apart. So the fact that they didn't recognize each other is not surprising. Uh, look, the Lamb of God. This is, in, in the Jewish world, this doesn't happen. John, John is seen as a rabbi. You don't send your followers to other rabbis. Because in the Jewish world, how'd you make money? Your supporters supported you. And so John, this is very, this is John saying, my time is done. Here is the Lamb of God. Follow him. And so they followed Jesus, turning around. Jesus saw them following and asked and said, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, 
Aramaic word, uh, which is why John translates it to Greek, trans teacher. Where are you staying? He says, come and you will see. Uh, and they went and they saw where he was staying. They spent that day with him for it was about four in the afternoon. Some little details of how long they're with him. He's teaching them. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John had said and who followed Jesus. We ne this book never tells you who the other one was. Everyone just assumes it's John who wrote the book. Uh, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother, Simon, and tell him, we have found the Messiah. Again, Hebrew, that is the Christ, Greek. And he brought him to Jesus. And so what you see here is the, uh, the Jesus way of making disciples. One person brings in other people. You, you see this model early on. This is intentional that he's telling the story. And they looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Greek, sorry. Yeah, this is uh, Cepha is Greek for rock. Peter is Hebrew for rock. Same name. So Jesus is changing uh, Simon's name. Uh, his name was Simon before that. And in a lot of ways, this is almost a nickname. Uh, you don't see this as a name in Greek prior to this. It, you know, this is almost like Rocky. You can think of it as like Rocky. Because... Uh, uh, Right, Dwayne the Rock, right. So this is literally Jesus looking at Peter and saying, you're the rock. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, then Peter becomes a name, because we know lots of Peters, right? Uh, but it, it becomes a name for him. Because basically, if you named your child Peter prior to this, you're going like, you're a rock. Which may be, you're strong as a rock, and maybe he's dumb as. Uh, <laughs> There, there, are two, there are two ways to interpret that. Uh, but that and, kind, and Peter is kind of that, he's kind of both, yeah. There, there are times then he's kind of that way. So there you go. Yes? Did I hear you say that maybe Jesus and John didn't really know who Jesus was? No. And these two disciples, John, John, the, John the Baptist points them out. That's Jesus who I... Uh, because it, you know, it does say that, you know... Uh, no, I'm not finding it. But because I always thought that it was um, that John the Baptist knew Jesus and knew him as his relative too, but he didn't know him as the Messiah. So at his baptism... That he, he was told before that that the person who comes and who the double that that right. is the Messiah. So right. he knew him as he knew him as he knew him as Jesus, but not as the Messiah. Possibly. Okay. Uh, I mean, we don't have a lot. Uh, when you look at the other Gospels, there's not a lot of stories of Jesus growing up. Right. And Jesus, remember, Jesus grows up sixty to eighty miles away from John. But there would have been no point in him throwing in the word uh, cousin. Right. And so you look at him and say, so, I mean, I, it's hard to tell at that exact moment exactly how much John knew. Now, I mean, yes, is Jesus the, does, 
God tells him, who, hey, when you're baptizing people, when the dove comes down and settles on guys, that's the Messiah. So I, it's, it's clear that he lands on Jesus and he goes, that's the Messiah. And so the next day when Jesus shows back up, he looks at Andrew and probably John and says, that's the guy yesterday that I was telling you about that the, do the dove settled on that, G that God told me was the Messiah. Jeff, yes. Can I, can I yeah. give you my rendition of that? Sure. So, you know, in Luke it tells us that Zachariah and Elizabeth were well aged before, that they, had, before they had John. Yes. And John met Jesus in the womb and he left with joy. So he knew who he was. But, Mary, but Zachariah and Elizabeth died and there's no one to take John. This is a poor, poor backwater. Thing. And the people who take him are the Essenes. Essenes are ascetics. They don't believe in, they, they don't procreate. So the only mm -hmm. way they build their numbers is through adoption. And they adopted John. He moves down to Qumran. He dresses like Essenes. Right. Locusts, you know, wild honey, and wears animal skins, that's how they dress. And he had never met you. Oh. I mean, he's down by the Dead Sea. Jesus is up right. So, I mean, it's, it's possible that, it's, po it's also possible the Spirit, the Spirit tells him, hey, that guy. Right. Well, he does tell him that guy. He says, I'm, I'm sending you someone, when the, Spirit, when the Spirit comes like the dove, that's the Messiah. And this is John turning his disciples over to Jesus and basically saying, follow that guy. Uh, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip. says, follow me. So Philip, like Peter and Andrew, was from Bethsaida. Uh, and he found Nathanael, his brother. We have found the one who Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael asked, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Uh, uh, and Philip says, come and see. Part of that was the thought was, where, where do royal families live? Jerusalem. Big cities. They're not living in Nazareth, which may have had a population of 500 people. Uh, and so this is just kind of bias of, yeah, you're, you're telling me a country bumpkin is going to be the Messiah, is what... Uh, Philip is telling Nathaniel. And he says, well, come and see. And even the, like the Pharisees know that, that Jesus, I mean, that the Messiah comes from Bethlehem, right. and they still call him Jesus of Nazareth. Right. And so he's still Nazareth, and you're like, uh, and then uh, Jesus saw Nathaniel approach and said, here's truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel says, how do you know me? He says, what? Well, I saw you while you were sitting under a fig tree before Philip called you. Fig tree is important. That's where in these small towns uh, people would sit to read because it's cooler. Figs have big leaves. And so a lot of, in smaller towns, a lot of guys would be reading, especially Jews, would be reading the Torah sitting under this tree. So that's the thought of what Nathaniel was doing when Jesus saw him. And, and Nathaniel immediately declares, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. You are the King of Israel. I mean, it doesn't take him long to immediately go, you're the man. You're it. Uh, 
You believe because of what I told you under the fig tree, I saw you under the fig tree, you will see greater things than that. Then he added, truly, truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God descending and ascending on the Son of Man. The Son of Man is a vernacular that means me. And this story to the Jews, what is this? Jacob's ladder. Because Jacob sees into heaven. And so what he's telling Nathaniel is, you're going you're gonna to see me in heaven. I am from heaven. And uh, the fact that the angels of God are descending up and down to see me. So he's basically telling me, you're right. I am the son of God. Which is a huge admission. He's basically saying, yeah, because I'm the son of God. Uh, for all of you guys who like lists from all the books, uh, the, book, the list of the apostles... Uh, most people think Nathaniel is listed in John. Uh, there's this guy called Bartholomew listed the rest of the books. Most people think that's the same person, that Bartholomew and Nathaniel are the same person. People had lots of names, and so sometimes you'll see them, because all the, all the rest of them are pretty consistent. Uh, and that you have a very... Uh, in church history, you really don't hear about Nathaniel, but you'll hear about Bartholomew. Uh, and so most of the people that I read about this thing, that's, it's the same person. Just like uh, Simon Peter, uh, Nathaniel Bartholomew. Uh, and then uh, you also know that John doesn't list the whole, he does not list all the 12 apostles. Everyone else does. Of course Matthew would, because he's very Jewish. They're all going to be listed. John just, he skips around a few. Uh, and there are two Judases, Judas not Iscariot. You, you know you're good when someone says, I'm Judas not Iscariot. <laughs> That's my name. Uh, so, yeah, there are two Judases. Because uh, remember, Judas, and he was Judah, the tribe of Judah. So it's prior to Judas Iscariot, it was a very popular name. You don't see a lot of them anymore. Uh, but we still have Judes and Judah, which are very, very similar. All right, there's the first chapter. Intro. The great, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was God. Down to, he's now, immediately you jump to the baptism story and immediately start picking up disciples. All right, next week is chapter two, Randall. And we get, we get to see the first of the miracles. Remember, there are seven miracles in the first part of the, the first half of John. Uh, we're going we're gonna to start with each one of those. It'll be a miracle if I can get food in and out. Yeah. 